be speaking on the jewelry box because we're going to be talking about how we're becoming jewels that God can use, but there is a box that we keep those precious jewels in, and that's what we're going to open up because every one of the sessions will be pertaining to these different jewels. So that's the reason why we felt like with the Lord's help that we would start off learning about this box, this special box. But how many of you ladies have had a jewelry box or have one now or have had one? Raise your hand. Now, y'all going to help me participate. Yay, you're participating. Okay, good. You're going to help me. That's right. So I remember my first one. It was one of those pop-up ones, you know, that had a little ballerina that went around and sang, you know. And um, But I kept that away from my brother because I didn't have jewelry, but everything that was in that box was something to me. And Jeff better not touch it because that was in my box. So, um, and you may have big boxes, you may have small, but they all contain special things to you, right? But how many of you have precious gems? Most of the time, if you have gems that are special to you, you put them in that box. We have watches in them. We have sometimes money. We can have buttons. If it's in my house, I just put stuff everywhere. I mean, you're just pressed for time, so, but in there, but most of all, you have those precious possessions. We can accumulate many things in our jewelry boxes, but its main purpose is, is to secure and protect, like I said, our most prized jewels. There are several different types of boxes that we can learn from in that Bible. The Ark of the Covenant's one. It was a box that was consecrated holy, very special with three different items. The alabaster box, it was a box full of very prized, special fragrant ointments used for medicinal purposes and other things. Boxes were used to keep precious oils used for ointment of kings and privileged persons. The jewelry box as well is just a box, right? It's just a box. But we all can agree that our most prized possessions are in our jewelry boxes. If we have lots of precious stones, we would put them in there. Jewelry containing gold or any of those special gems, we would usually put them in a secure place because we want to keep up with them, right? We don't just put our fine jewelry out at the kitchen table. We want to put them in a special place, right? So... We are all God's precious prized possessions. So where would um, we say that our jewelry box is also, we could say, is a treasure box, right? Not only jewel, containing jewels, but our, also our treasures. But just like if we use that as a typology, that we can use that as though we are in God's treasure box if we are saved, if we're his jewels. We're all prized possessions in God's eyes if we're his children, every one of us. Each individual person special. When we give our hearts to the Lord, God, when he's living and we're walking the Spirit and he's living through our lives, we are his treasure. We are his treasure. And Malachi, that was the last prophet, last book in the Old Testament, the last prophet, a 400-year silence between the Old and the New Testament. He's reaching out for one last call to the wicked people, calling out that God will have justice with his saints. And this is what he says in Malachi three seventeen, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I, when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them, as the Lord spareth his own son that serveth him. We are a collection of God's treasures, if we're his children, all of us. And we can see that through that verse that we are valuable, 
that we are of great value through that verse. My jewels in the Hebrew meaning that means a special and peculiar treasure. So we are special that we see there with my jewels. Also, our victory is guaranteed, and I will spare them as man spareth his own son that serveth him. Is that not awesome to know that we're protected in God's hand and in whenever we're in him? That's a wonderful feeling that we're protected with him. We all are bought with a price with Christ's blood because of his perfect sacrifice for sin. Among accepting the Lord and accepting the Lord in our heart, we start this process of sanctification each and every day, becoming jewels that God wants for our lives. So let's look inside the story box. So go with me. We're going to go in this story box, and we're going to see what's in God's treasure box. Those jewels. Let's look specifically at those jewels in that box. If we're walking the Spirit daily, we will be used for God's use. But the process of a gem, a precious stone that is, is a process of refining or taking out those impurities in those gems. What's considered precious gem? Does anybody know how many there are? If you don't want to say it like you put your fingers up, how many you think there are? Does anybody know how many there are? The precious jewels? Nobody? Well, guess what? You're going to learn something. For sure you're going to learn this. That There's four. Does anybody want to name one of the four precious stones? Diamonds. Yay, look how smart y'all are. She already got one. Can you think of another one? Rubies. Good job. Look, two. Anything else? Sapphires and emeralds. Good job. That's right. Those are the four precious stones. And they all have one thing in common, okay? They all are unique in that they have different compounds that make them up. But they all have one thing in common. And the thing in common is that how they are produced and made. And that's through pressure, heat, through time. Okay, so pressure, heat, and through time. They're all formed under those circumstances. Like precious stones, we are all molded and made for a jewel for the master's use. The purest and the highest quality of each of these precious stones is calibrated on the reflection and clarity. Did y'all know that? That's what makes a jewel more precious is their clarity. So clarity, you think, what What do you mean by that, Miss Leslie? The term clarity means purity of a gemstone and freedom from the tiny inter- internal characteristics and impurities that affect the refraction of light rays, hence reduce, reducing the brilliance of the gemstone. So the best quality stones is that the light rays are reflected from freedom of impurities. So in other words, as we're molded and we're formed, the Lord takes out those impurities through time, under pressure, under heat, takes out those impurities in our lives and makes us to reflect and helps us to reflect his light. This process doesn't happen, like I said, overnight, but it's a process. The most valuable and clearest of gems, once the owner is looking into it, their face can be reflected with their countenance in that gym. And that's what we all want, or that's what we all should desire, is that we reflect him. Because there's nothing good within us. And we're all different, but we have one common thing. That we are, if we're saved, that we have the same master, Lord and Savior that saved us. So we have that all in common. Now, we have all have impurities, and the Lord helps us through time to take those out. So that way we can be clear now, that's not always, not always a good feeling whenever it's happening, but then on the other side of it, you can see how the Lord worked to make you more clear to show and reflect his light. 
In Psalms 138, if you want to turn there in 139, I love these scriptures. But in the closing of verse 8, we'll read there the closing verse in verse 8 in Psalms 138. The psalmist says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. So if you break that down, perfect means to complete. So the Lord will complete that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. He's going to complete that. So the work he's got work, started working in is he's going to complete that. Forsake not the works of thine own hands is evidence of how God invests his omni or all characteristic to complete his work in our lives. He knows us completely and cares completely about our lives. So now let's look in Psalms 139, verses 1 through 6. We're going to see that he is all-knowing. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. So we see through those scriptures in that the psalmist David is saying, Lord, he is, he is, our Lord is all-knowing. So he knows every little thing. Every time we sit down to get up, every little detail. You know, we think God just sees the big, the big things, but he sees every little specific thing in our life. We think the Lord doesn't care about how I feel about things. Well, I go to him and tell him, and then he, gives, he puts his arm around me, so he must care because I can feel it. Yeah. But so he does care. He does care about, he's all-knowing. He knows everything about us and every situation. And then verse 7 through 12, we can see that he is all-present. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hide not from thee, but the light shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So we see that he is all present. And I was thinking about that in, in the verse, uh, let's see, in, in verse 9. I thought, what's, what's the psalmist mean as I take the wings of the morning? So that is a terminology that is a, a equivalent of the speed of light. That was the terminology they were using there. If you look at the speed of light, it's like greater than 299 million miles per second. So that's fast. So in other words, the Lord is there before even the speed of light. He's already there because he's always present. Is that not a mere? I mean, he's, we're talking about how great our God is and how wonderful he is. And then also that dwelt in the uttermost parts of the sea. If you study the uttermost, most deepest part of the sea, you'll see that 29,035 feet deeper than that 
feet is deep, the deepest part of the earth. And so the deepest part of the ocean, he's even, even past that. He's everywhere. Even there, the psalmist says. Everywhere. You know, how can we be, I know that's just our home, our own human flesh to think that God can't take care of us and how much he, how powerful he is. So let's look at these next verses, 13 through 18. We'll see that he is all powerful. What a mighty God we have. For thou hast possessed my reins, for thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul, my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously uh, wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect and in the eye book, all of my members were written, which is in continuance were fashioned. Even when as yet there was none of them. How precious are my, thy thoughts unto me, O Lord, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So that is God's power. And how, if you, any of you ever studied the human body, those that you're in the medical field, anatomy, physiology, Madeline's taking that right now. So I took that many years ago, but she's refreshing my memory. And so whenever she comes home, she begins to tell me about different things about the human body and that we are miraculously and wonderfully and fearfully made. That every little enzyme, every little thing about our human body is just a miracle and how we are made and that he is all-powerful. And the things that he can do, how can we ever doubt because of his power? We are all made, all of us, we are all made for his service. We are made to worship him. That's what we are made for, to worship him and to serve him. Our hands are made to serve others, our feet to walk to help other people and to praise him. Our hands are raised to praise him, our creator. This is the one we just spoke of. This is all, omni of all these things. But like I said, we're all made for his service. We are made for his workmanship. Some ways that we see in the Bible, I just want to go over a few just to recognize how God's power, his presence, and all-knowingness was in their lives. There's a few that we can recognize in God's word. One is Esther. There's just a little bitty tiny glimpse, okay? We're just skimming the surface, and these are just a few. And so Esther, all-knowing, God was all-knowing and knowing that when they were in exile um, in Persia that the Lord knew exactly where Esther was. At such a time as that, that she needed to be, to be used. And her cousin Mordecai charged Esther in this, saying, in Esther 4.14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the king, kingdom for such a time as this? And Mordecai was saying, Hey, Esther, come on, you can do it. The Lord has put you there for such a time as this, and who knows that what, what could happen, the destruction of our people. And so he is encouraging her and stirring her up to be used for God's service. And we can say, you could say, well, I would love to be Esther. I'd love to be a queen. Oh, boy, I would too. You know, you think you would love to do those things, and you would love to be able to, to say that you are a deliverer of God's people. But do you want to go through her refining process? Think about what she went through. So there comes a price for that. And that could you imagine the tears that she had every night, that she was away from her people and she had to hide? 
her religion, how she had to hide her love for the Lord and all those different things. So we say we want to, but do we really want to pay, pay, pay that price? So that she had to leave her family, but yet God used Esther's precious jewel for his use. So another one we're going to look at is Jochebed. What an awesome, I love studying about Jochebed. I know the teenage girls laugh at me because I say I love all these characters, but I really do. But Jochebed, God knew exactly where she was and that she saw that her child was a goodly child. When she looked down upon Moses and she decided with her heart, stickability, hmm, she had some grit. Hey, I'm going to do what I got to do because this child, I see what God has in this child. And that's why we need to look at our babies. I see what God can do through my babies, and I'm going to fight for them. And boy, she did. She was an awesome lady because she was used as a jewel for God's purpose. Whenever she hit him three months, and then then she put him out in that um and then she put him out in that ark, and then she had to pray over her baby. And she sheltered that baby as much as she could. And then she put him in there, in with the crocodiles and everything else, and around those Egyptians. Not, not, but she did know she had the eye of faith that her baby would be protected. Because she was becoming a, a jewel for God's use. That's what she was doing. And so, and then there's another one of her little jewels she was training is Miriam. Boy, wasn't she a leader? She had three leaders out of her womb. And so Miriam's standing there, and how brave was, was she? And that she watched and obeyed her mama, and that she watched that baby go by, and she just at the right time, just like her mama trained her, I'm sure, went and told that Egyptian princess, I know who can, can keep that, um, can take care and feed the baby just at the right time because God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and that he can work things all out for our good and because he is all-knowing, he's always there. But first, before all that, before Jacobet could see all those things, she had to be, a, she had to be willing to be submissive, to be a jewel in God's eyes. She had to be willing first, and that through the eye of faith, she would say, "Yes, Lord." She could have said, "Nope, this is just what the commandments are. This is just how it's going to be. I have to get rid of my baby and then mourn over the baby." But no, she decided in her heart through the eye of faith that she was going to look at her baby. She was going to hide him. We look and look into Hannah. And that she trusted God, that he, that baby boy, that if the Lord would give her a boy, that she would give him back, and she did. One of the most known and used prophets in the Old Testament, Hannah, was a jewel in God's, for God's use. Then we see Mary Magdalene, demon-possessed, but she was miraculously changed through Jesus. Think about what she was able to see. Watch the crucifixion. She saw where Jesus was laid. Well, Sunday morning, she went to anoint the body of Christ. And then she was the per- first person to whom the resurrected Christ appeared to. She was a jewel for God's use to testify of his power. These are just a few, okay, that I'm giving examples of to stir you in remembrance. We could think about people, Fanny Crosby, also Catherine um, Carmichael. I mean, Fanny Crosby, she wrote over 9,000 hymns. She was blind. But yet she says when she's eight years old, Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I'm resolved that in this world content I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Wow, she was a jewel for God's use. Uh, Catherine Carmichael, that was the mother of Amy Carmichael. I love to study mothers. 
especially if their children are mighty in God's eyes. And some of the things that Amy Carmichael wrote about her mother, and she was a mother devoted to God, and that whenever her daughter wrote to her and said, Mom, will you allow me to go on the mission field and do what God, you, God wants me to? And this is what she said, My heart unfailingly says, Go ye. She was a jewel for God's use. So Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him, unto him. I'm going to try not to cry because whenever I cry, I'm not as pleased as Miss Rebecca. I can't can't quit crying once I start crying. But now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above, above, okay, all that we ask or think. And I've just told you a few. Just gave you a few examples. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Abel, if you look that up in the 1828 uh, dictionary, you see that that means having physical power sufficient, having competent power, because he is able. So let's all let the Lord work in our lives to be jewels for his use. Now, we are all precious in his sight. We each, if we're yielded to him, can be made beautiful jewels in his sight.